I'm your host, Rabbi Linda Schreiner Khan, and welcome to Tehillah Talks, where teens engage in honest conversation with their rabbi about what it means to be Jewish in the world today. Welcome to Tehillah Talks where a rabbi talks to the teens of her community, and now these teens are now young adults. I don't think that works anymore, as we are joined by two of our current college students. And the age range is, I think, is about a five-year age range. And I want to welcome, uh, Elliot, this is your first time doing this with us, so welcome. Uh, Helena, welcome back. Julian, welcome back. Alexis and Bernie, it's great to have you on. And I put out a, a, a question and a thought. There's a lot of conversation going on right now about anti-Semitism, and um, I sent you some materials, but I want to begin with a question. When you hear that word, anti-Semitism, what does it bring up for you before I throw my own hat into the ring? So uh, if you want to speak, just raise your hand or just jump in. Elliot, you're unmuted, so I'm going to call on you first. Uh, that's what happens when you're unmuted. I have to say, I'm not really sure, but I guess overall for me, I've never personally really experienced anti-Semitism. So for me, whenever I think of it, it's always things that happen to other people. Like, you know, I think about the Holocaust or like maybe, you know, other things, but those are all things that have happened to other people. So that's what I'd say. It's a good opening gambit. Bernie? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot that comes up for me because it's kind of a touchy subject, especially um, at my school. There's been, I mean, my school is around 50% Jewish and there have been some incidents of of people claiming that there's anti-Semitism and then other people saying like, that's crazy. Like the school is mostly Jewish. It's a really complicated issue. And I feel like it's kind of, uh, harder for a lot of people to see than other issues like ses- sexism or, or racism. And also, like Elliot said, I'd, I haven't really personally experienced it. So for me, it's it's kind of a weird thing also where I know I'm Jewish and I know anti-Semitism exists in the world and is a big problem in the world, but it's kind of a weird, it's not as visible. It's not as visible and it's not as, I feel like, concrete in most people's minds as other issues. Helena. Yeah, I would agree with Elliot because I don't think I've experienced anti-Semitism personally all that much, just not in concrete ways, at least. And so when I think of it, I I just think of an unnecessary hatred that's hidden from most people's eyes and also my own in part. And it confuses me a lot because, I mean, hatred in general confuses me. But yeah, I, I sort of see it as I think people focus on the big picture incidents a little too much and sort of don't recognize the small acts of anti-Semitism we see every day. And so it sort of gets hidden in that way. Julian. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this subject, but I think for at least my personal experience, my dad isn't Jewish and my mom is, I kind of struggled to accept my Jewish identity and sort of just wanted to like blend in and not be affiliated with a wider identity that I didn't have control over. 
So it, it brings to mind that experience of kind of struggling to accept my Jewish identity. But yeah, I, I've, I feel like I've experienced a couple instances of anti-Semitism, but I think partially because of how influential American Jewry is in this country, I don't think it's as visible as other forms of bigotry or, or yeah, as prevalent. Alexis? Kind of similar to what like everybody else has said, but I feel like I haven't experienced it like in such a huge way. I mean, like, I feel like, you know, when I think about it, I think, you know, of all the like the big things that get, you know, broadcasted on the news. But then, you know, part of me is also like, well, it's also like the weird things that just rub me the wrong way. And then don't I don't talk about ever again or think about like in any meaning, horribly meaningful way, but just like sit there for a bit. That is like particularly about my Jewishness. You want to say more about that? Sure. I mean, it's, I don't know, like a friend saying something and like, you know, and I kind of think about what it is and it's like, it feels like a weird thing for somebody who's not a non-Jew to say about Jewishness, but then, you know, people just kind of move on, but then I might think about it for a bit after and it might just like resurface when I hear the word, but I don't really ever put any horribly like meaningful distinction on it because other people just moved on from it in the conversation and never went back to it. One of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation is I was talking to someone who's uh, even older than I am and about this topic. And, um, and I said, I think uh, there are generational divides on anti-Semitism. And uh, his response was, I hadn't quite thought of it that way. But for my generation who grew up in the shadow of the Holocaust, uh, whether or not your parents survived, they were survivors, or whether it was just something that you knew about, was very different than your generation. And I think it's important to unpack some of that right now because it's coming out in really weird. It's like... Um, uh, what are those? Uh, it's like prairie dogs, you know, popping their heads up. I, I feel it's like this game where it pops up here and it pops up there and it pops up someplace else. And the way that it looks is, is different in all of the instances where it pops up. So I, I, I want to go to that place of let's talk about some of the ways that it's popping up right now. And I want to bring into this a book that I'm currently reading by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who was the religious leader in England, he's a chief rabbi, and it's called Lessons in Leadership. And the current, the chapter for this past week's Torah portion talks about laws and that in general societies, when societies make laws, it's often in response to real life events, but the law itself doesn't reflect that story. However, for us as Jews, the laws we have reflect our story. And i that's why I sent you what I wrote this week, which is that the laws we have about how we treat the stranger, how we treat the widow and the orphan, our obligation is because, oh yeah, that's right. We were in that position. And that our laws are a response to the conditions in which we found ourselves. And it's, it's embedded in our story which is not the way it normally is when laws are made. We often lose sight of why that uh, particular law came into being. 
So I put that as a parenthetical comment, but um, I'm going back to my prairie dogs popping up. And, it, and I think Elliot wanted to say something. So go for it, Elliot. Oh, I just wanted to say, I think you said it reminded you of a game. Uh, I think the, the word you were looking for there is a whack-a-mole. Thank you very much. Yes, I, indeed it is. It's very much like that. <laughs> and here are two things that just happened very recently. The train station in Washington, D.C. this morning was covered in swastikas, about 50 swastikas. And they think here's probably a homeless person, but okay. So that's, and it happened, or it happened, no, not this morning. It happened the day after Holocaust Remembrance. It happened on Friday. And the other one is uh, the story about a particular school board in Tennessee banning the, unanimously banning the book Mouse by Art Spiegelman. And uh, that it has now, it is now the, one of the most popular books on either either Amazon or Barnes and Noble. I don't know which which site, but it's uh, gaining traction. So those are two very different things that have just happened. But I, I want to. So what are the things that are coming up in your world more specifically that you see or that you hear? Alexis was kind of saying, people say things and I let it pass. So let's let's start with that. What are the kinds of things that people say and you let pass? Can I can I make a sure go for it as Alexis thinks about it? Yeah, sorry about that. I think one of the ways that I see criticism of American Jews come up the most is in conversations around Israel. Like at least in my experience as a college student and a high school student, that is sort of the closest people get to to really questioning and American Jews and Jewry in in general. And like, I have complex feelings about that because I'm definitely critical of a lot of what Israel does and and stands for nowadays. And I see it as sort of a conduit for anti-Semitism to become directed at us when it, it wouldn't ordinarily have been. And I, I read this book by John Mersheimer who is a University of Chicago professor called the Israel Lobby in American Foreign Policy. And that really like opened up my eyes to sort of how the actions of certain sectors of Jewry sort of open up, open up the possibility of anti-Semitism being directed at us later on. So it's, it's, yeah, I have complex feelings about it. It's, it's a really hard subject to sort of broach without offending and, and alienating people off the bat. And the piece that I sent you from Trua, uh, it's, I thought it was really good in the way Trua is a very forward-thinking organization. And in talking about the Israel-Palestine dynamic, it's very much to me very comparable to, as an American, I feel fully within my rights to criticize the United States. I can say what I think is wrong. And no, and yes, there will be those who will call me anti-American, but I feel with, it is totally within my rights. And the same way I am a lover of Israel, at the same time, I feel perfectly comfortable criticizing certain behaviors and, and that I want Israel to be a better place. I want it to live up to certain expectations. That may be unrealistic, but that's what I would like to see. So what happens is it becomes anti-Semitic Here's where it's not anti-Semitic. Criticism or opposition to Zionism as a form of nationalism, it's not anti-Semitic. Or support for arrangements that accord full equality for Israelis and Palestinians or one state, two state, binational, 
That's, those are not anti-Semitic statements. However, portraying Israel as the ultimate evil, that's anti-Semitic. It's putting them, it's putting Israel in a category that you don't put any other country into. I could say Brazil is in a terrible place right now, but nobody is saying Brazil is an evil country because it has, let's say, a less than rational leader at the moment, right? Holding all Jews responsible for Israel's conduct and using the words ancient agents of Zionism, that, that, that skirts that anti-Semitic place. Denying Jewish history uh, in the land of Israel is a form of anti-Semitism. Demanding that Jews condemn Israel. You're either in or you're out, right? Calling for the expulsion of Jews from Palestine and minimizing the trauma of the Holocaust in relation to Israel. Those broach anti-Semitism, right? But criticizing Israel? No. No, right? So, Julian, you raised your hand. Say what you want to say about that. I mean, I see, I see the point that you're making, and, and we, this doesn't have to be a conversation purely about Israel, but I think the complication here is that American Jews shape the United States' relationship with Israel in a way that no, factually, no other ethnicity in the United States does with a, a second country. And that's something that really broaches very controversial ground for this country. It's one of the things that George Washington and other founding fathers warned us against. So I think it becomes a question of like, okay, if we want to avoid anti-Semitism, and what are we going to do to sort of avoid these pitfalls of like, oh yeah, $4 billion of our taxpayer money does go to this country that has universal healthcare and we don't, you know, and it's, it, it gets- But, but the same, but right, but I don't want to get into a, a back and yeah, forth yeah. on Israel because that's not really where I want to go. I just want to point out that in your gener- generationally speaking, it is the live wire. For sure. It is definitely the live wire. And we could have a whole other conversation about what that really looks like. But it is, and it's not as simple as it's not so simple. It's not so clean, and it is used as a as a point. What I want to point out to you is, and then and Elliot, I will call on you absolutely. That there is like this curve, and this is goes back to what I said earlier about knowing your story. My question to you is, how much of the story do you all know, even if you've not experienced it? Because part of where we were until 2016 was described in the Jewish community as the golden age of Jews in America. Golden age. Guess what? It's over. I'm going to make that point. I really do believe it's over. Elliot, go for it. You can argue with me too. Well, I'd say what you said about the live wire is very true in my experience. I go to a school that isn't probably isn't as heavily Jewish as the school Bernie goes to. But I'd say there's definitely a lot of the kids at my school are Jews. We have a running joke that like my school is half Jews, half Asians, which is maybe a bit reductive, but those are definitely the two largest groups there, I'd say. And yeah, it's kind of the rule there that like generally people avoid political debate, especially because a lot of people there tend to share general liberal political opinions. But the rule is never mention Israel. Like if you want to keep your friendships because it's such a live wire, like you said. Um, My personal friend group is very 
much more uh, leftist. A couple of us are Jews, and we're generally pretty critical of the actions that Israel has taken. But I don't think that's really the case for a lot of students at my school. And yeah, I think it, in my experience, I can definitely confirm that even not just between different generations, but also just between the Jews in the same generation, even it really is the live wire. Bernie? Yeah, I was, that's, I agree completely. It's, it's very similar at my school between like their arguments between my friends who are Jewish about Israel and, and these issues are just so touchy. And I think, yeah, saying a live wire is, is a good way of putting it. It's, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain why, why it is that way. It, it feels like it really, it is a unique situation. That's for sure. But like, I don't really see why it has to be such a controversial issue. I mean, it, it is a very complicated issue and I guess it, it, it's very close to home for a lot of people, but it doesn't seem to me like it, it should be, it should cause all these like fights and arguments and people getting fired and, and things like that. Elena. Yeah. So at my old school, there was this incident when I was in, I believe, ninth grade, um, there was this board, this bulletin board in the top floor of one of the buildings and people could come and write their opinions on the um, Israel and Palestine um, debate. And I think there was a lot of controversy about the the board and teachers and students would gather in front of it and debate. And there was this one incident where this student and teacher got in a screaming match about it and the teacher left the school soon after. And ever since then, it's been a hush topic at my school, at my old school. And I don't know if that's changed since I've left, but it's none of the history classes talked about it. None of the, I, I think the school would just put out an order not to for none, none of the teachers to talk about it. Um, in just among my friends, whenever the topic got brought up, it was quickly, uh, quickly stopped. And I think my, a lot of people in my grade, just going through high school, not talking about it, um, were sort of disappointed in how the school handled it because we felt that conversation about issues is always necessary. And we, we weren't learning anything about it in school. We weren't, um, having conversations because we were scared of debates and controversy. And because the school was scared of that, we, we, we weren't being educated about it. Alexis. Um, well, so I go to Helena's old school. So yeah, there is very much a don't, you don't talk about it. We don't mention it. I remember when I was in eighth grade, my history teacher who was Jewish shared a story about how she had, I don't know, brought up, Israel-Palestine in class, like not even in like a horribly meaningful way, but I don't even remember what it was, but then like a bunch of parents got very upset at her. And of course, when she told the story, she had like, you know, she had just like brought up Israel-Palestine like in mention. And then I remember for the entire school year after that, there were a number of kids in my class who just hated her, many of whom were also Jewish. So there is, yeah, that's my thing about the live wire. It is very much if you hear it, it automatic and, you know, somebody disagrees with you, it very much feels like automatically you have, you have won a new enemy. I, I will share with you that uh, among my rabbinic colleagues across denominations, the vast majority do not talk about Israel because they know 
their congregants all over the map about it. And so it is not a point of unity. It is a point of division. And having a good discussion is very difficult. And I will share this and then I'm going to go, we'll take a little break and uh, continue the conversation. But I, I will share this, something that I did at Tehillah a long time ago when there was um, another one of these moments where people were getting killed on both sides across the Gaza Strip and in Israel. And, uh, and people really wanted to talk about it really want to talk about it. And so after services, I said, okay, we can talk about it, but here's how we're going to talk about it. We're going to sit in a circle. We're going to allow people to say what they have to say, and there will be no cross conversation. This is all about listening. I think there was only one older individual who didn't follow the rules, and we sort of accepted the fact that she couldn't follow the rules. But everybody else could follow the rules, and it was really helpful to hear that, no, they weren't all on the same page, but it was a respectful conversation. And what grounded it was a belief in Israel's right to exist, even though it was behaving badly in a particular situation. And how does that, and I will also share with you, I was at a a gathering not so long ago where someone from official Israel was talking to Jewish leaders. And I think he was very surprised by this Middle of the road group, they weren't a bunch of lefties, middle of the road group kind of challenging him. It was not what he expected to hear from a group of Riverdale Jews across the, again, across the spectrum of observance. So it's, it is a live conversation. It is a difficult conversation. I'm going to ask people to tune into part two of this conversation. And I'm, uh, as we focus more directly on anti-Semitism. And I'll bring us back to that particular subject. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Tehillah Talks. For more information about Tehillah, go to congregationtehillah.org. Tune in next time when our teens continue to reflect on issues of the day through a Jewish lens.